I want to talk today about how I understand something this group has highlighted, experimentalism. And I understand this generally as a way of approaching things such that the outcomes are uncertain and as a way of approaching things in order to learn something. Um, and I specifically want to talk about the possible role of participation in experimentalism. So what are what are people calling for when they call for a more participatory process or for participatory methods as they often do these days? And particularly when they talk about participation in building data models or digital technologies that make uh, consequential decisions. So participation by whom? Um, calling for participation seems to imply that some group of people aren't involved in an important project or an important decision of some sort and that they should be. Um, so as mentioned, I'm the Director of Research at Data and Society. Uh, I'm on leave from the UC Berkeley School of Information where I work as a professor. Um, and we've placed, Data and Society, we've placed um, participation in algorithmic accountability as one of our priorities for our three-year strategic plan. I think this call for participation addresses a few really important things in this space. And I think it relates to experimentalism in another way as uh, experimentation in the sense of the scientific method. Uh, when we collect data and run some kind of analysis, we have to interpret the results. And when we collect data about people, we make inferences about what that data means. And when that data is about human behavior, we're stepping into some really tricky territory human behavior and human expression is notoriously challenging to understand and to interpret um, the entirety of the humanities and the social sciences centers on making sense of human expression. Um, and when there's a great social distance between the person collecting the data and the person producing the data, this is I think really a recipe for misinterpretation. So I wanna give an example of how assumptions drawn from data can go wrong. Um, data and Society, where I work, recently published a report by my colleague, Alexandra Matescu on something called electronic visit verification or EVV. Um, the EVV is a tool for electronic time card keeping. It's mandated by the US government for care workers who are paid through Medicaid. And Medicaid is a government benefits program for health-related needs for people who are under age 65, so as distinct from Medicare. So these are workers who assist disabled people with everyday activities. And a key driver for this program is, um, probably unsurprisingly, reducing costs and reducing or preventing fraud. So while how exactly it's implemented varies from state to state, in many cases, the EVV is a phone app. And in implementing this app and code, software developers have made assumptions about the data they need to collect and the conclusions that can be drawn from it. And many of these apps require caregivers to clock in at the care recipient's place of residence using things like GPS built into phones to verify location. But this plays into assumptions that people receiving care are homebound, are invalids essentially. In reality, Care is often given out in the world. It's things like assistance with grocery shopping, visiting outdoor public spaces. So this new system implements geofencing, leaving many disabled people feeling trapped at home, forcing them to organize their travel 
and their day around app clock-ins and clock-outs. The assumption is that data about where a caregiver clocks in helpfully flags fraud, that it indicates whether the caregiver showed up at work, but it doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't serve that purpose. So here's an example of where possibly participation by stakeholder groups in early stages, in this case, disabled folks, um, and all along the way could possibly have prevented false inferences from the data. Um, so while participation from stakeholder groups in tech design and in high stakes tech use could make a difference, I also have some concerns about how participation is being promoted in many conversations. And a big one is how the call for participation seems to hinge on people in power um, granting permission or serving as gatekeepers, for example, by deciding whether a process will, will be participatory at all, or in selecting the people for participation, or structuring the way they participate and on what terms. So I'm going to give you one more example. Five-minute keynote is a really interesting challenge. It's very brief. Um, so what about forms of participation without permission? And as it happens, a lot of really interesting research has already been done on ways that people, particularly those in the margins, adapt, appropriate, or even subvert technology. So how as we look toward participation as a way to share power, might we rehabilitate some of those practices which have often been dismissed as misuse? dismissed often simply because they were unanticipated by software developers. So what does participation without permission signal as far as the priorities, needs, values, and desires of other stakeholders? Um, I'm gonna conclude with one more example along these lines, um, which you may be surprised by. And this example is the organized fandom of the Korean boy band, BTS. It's called BTS Army. I'm a little obsessed. I have not yet done a proper research project on this, but I'm fascinated. So there's now this growing digital infrastructure uh, made up of social media accounts across various platforms, mainly aimed at helping these fans share their love for the band and boost new BTS singles and amplify anything else the band is up to. BTS Army volunteers have studied every tiny detail of the content filtering algorithms that surface when we what we see in social media. They post primers on how to stream BTS music in order to boost songs on the billboard rankings, and they share hashtags and um, run effective campaigns of mass online action to get their favorite band to trend. And here's where it gets interesting. So in June of 2020, members of the band itself um, recognizing their ind indebtedness to Black music genres donated $1 million to the Black Lives Matter movement. And amazingly, within 24 hours, BTS Army, the fans of BTS, deploying their well-oiled mobilization system had matched that donation with another $1 million. I think this is where the efforts of BTS Army become something that can't be dismissed as sort of unserious or kind of recreational entertainment. Um, this had, and it continues to have real world and material consequences for social issues. And this too is participation of a kind. This kind of practice is, you know, however, often referred to as gaming the algorithms, these organized campaigns to manipulate algorithmic rankings. Um, however, such accusations of misuse or gaming 
tend to center the perspective of developers and prioritize business utility and profit. What they overlook is the social utility gained by those finding alternate uses within the possibilities of tech. So to conclude, I do think this participatory turn is the next important step in data science research and a move towards improving how inclusive data infrastructures are and how equitable. Um, participation could check false inferences before they do harm and generally help keep data scientists humble. But as we aim toward this goal, let's not forget the kind of participation that's already widely happening in tech cultures. And don't forget that experimentalism, often of those who are structurally excluded, is already evident in the interstitial spaces of tech if you know um, where to look for it and how. 